Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to episode 25 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're jumping back in time to when punks roamed the high school hallways, drugs permeated the neighborhoods, and Nancy Reagan wasn't burning in hell when we cover the 1982 drug exploitation classic, The Class of 1984. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to my co-host on today's episode. He's a real piece of shit, and I love him even more for that. The producer himself, Boston fucking Mike. What up, Trash? Appreciate you bringing me on here. Appreciate being on the co-host stand. Uh, it's an honor and a blessing and probably a curse. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a curse to be here. And now <laughs> on to our very special guest host on today's show. He's someone I've had the pleasure of getting know, uh, getting to know for the last couple months. A man raised up in a video store and fellow trash crusader, Bobby Menendez. Hey, how's it going? I appreciate you letting me on here and let me twist your arm into allowing me to be on the show. No, man, I'm just excited that you're here. Now, I do want to preface and tell the audience right off the bat that Bobby actually was the one that brought us uh, the class of 1984 and was a huge proponent on us doing it on the show. So I'm glad that we have him, a savior of this film, being with us today because this is the man. He knows it all and um, very excited to jump in and talk. But before we do that, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget... You can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or being a guest host just like Bobby by emailing us at savetrashcinema at gmail.com or DMing us on all of our socials, which you can find us at Save Trash Cinema. Make sure to check out last week's introduction to our first Trash Cinema Roundtable discussion, Trash Talk, when we covered the hotly debated term elevated horror and what that means for the genre. We will be continuing to release mini-sows, roundtables, interviews, and even game shows so keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. But enough housekeeping, enough dilly-dallying around. Why don't we do an overview of The Class of 1984? Class of 1984 is a crime thriller written by Tom Holland. No, not that Tom Holland, as well as co-written and directed by Mark L. Lester. Tom Holland, once again, not that Tom Holland, is best known for writing Fright Night, Child's Play, as well as having a brief cameo in Adam Green's Hatchet 2. Mark L. Lester, on the other hand, is the director behind acclaimed films such as Stephen King's Firestarter, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando, and Showdown in Little Tokyo. Did you guys ever see Showdown in Little Tokyo? I saw Showdown in Little Tokyo, like, in passing. Not, not. It wasn't a sit-down watch. It was on somewhere. I can't remember where, but it, it, I've seen it those is. Those. Yeah, it's a great little Dolph Lundgren trash action film. Mm. Like it was during the era of Dolph Lundgren where they were like really pushing him to be the next Schwarzenegger. And just they could not make it happen. Could not make uh, it the hump. 
No, just couldn't get him past. I not sure why. I think it was probably the Rocky Four incident where everyone just kind of pinpointed him as the big villain and commies and shit. Make him the big baddie against. Yeah. Wasn't he? Isn't he Flash? No, nothing. Not Flash Gordon. No. No, you think of Flash? No, that is a gentleman that looks similar. Striking. Oh, I'm just. I literally all I was picturing is the big dude in in Ted when they were just like, oh my god. That's that's him. Um, <laughs> no, I, no, totally, no. totally wrong. Totally wrong. Big random dude. Big um, random blonde haired yeah. guy. Whoops. Yeah. You know. And I also yeah. was thinking of uh, Big Trouble in Little China. So I'm all over the place. I don't know what the hell I'm reading. Yeah, Boston Mike's out here tonight. Well, the story for class of 1984 goes as such. There's something strange going on at the graffiti-covered Lincoln High as teachers are carrying loaded guns and students have to walk through a metal detector before they enter the classroom. Before long, the school's new music teacher, Andrew Norris, will learn firsthand that it's even worse than it looks as the drug-plagued institution is the territory of the charismatic Peter Stegman and his brutal gang of crazed followers. Now, under those dire circumstances, it's only a matter of time before the professor and the pupil lock horns with unforeseen consequences. But do drastic times call for drastic measures? In the end, is there a cure for violence? Now, the film stars Perry King, known best for Mandingo, Lipstick, and as the voice actor for the Han Solo uh, on radio dramatizations of the Star Wars film series, which was interesting to me. It also stars Mary Lynn Ross from Schoolgirls in Chains, the happy hooker who goes to Hollywood, as well as Timothy Van Petten, who is best known for directing 20 episodes of The Sopranos, multiple episodes of Game of Thrones, and almost half of Boardwalk Empire. Somehow, yeah, incredible work and an incredible actor, too. Did you know that he wrote the Pine Barrens episode? I didn't, yeah, interesting. Okay, we'll see. There it goes, Pine Barrens, but he wrote the Pine Barrens, which there, incredible, incredible. Fan of this movie, from what I understand, yeah, Uh, but none of the actors are fans of this movie. Imagine not. This is a Hollywood, can't imagine why. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a Hollywood canceling you for bringing this out. Oh, yeah. This now. now now, we can't hire you. Now, it would be remiss if I didn't point out that the film also stars Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. Yep, Marty fucking McFly and Teen Wolf is in this goddamn movie, which is so fucking funny to me in his little bowl cut that he has is just he's a fat chubster he's a fat little shrimp with the yeah. worst haircut ever if you've seen stranger things he looks exactly like uh like mike he has the worst it's haircut bad. it's terrible it's, it's worse a than a bowl haircut. cut it's like um it's what's his face from the bench warmers who hates the fucking sun it's that yeah um nick swordson yeah yep yeah, it's bad and uh and also um this was Michael J. Fox's second film role uh, behind, I believe it was, um, I wrote it down here because I'm a complete loser, Midnight Mass, 1980. Mm. He actually got the Alex P. Keaton role in Family Ties while filming this. The fact that like that anyone could get roles doing anything else after this movie is shocking to me. To and then to have the, regardless of haircut, we, we cannot deny the skyrocketing into Hollywood that Michael J. Fox had. 
Yeah. I mean, like it was, I mean, haircut be damned. He got there anyway. He definitely has a haircut. <laughs> now the film runs for an hour and 38 minutes and sports a Rotten Tomatoes score of 71%, which if I'm not mistaken, actually makes it the highest Rotten Tomatoes score of any film we've covered for a main episode. Sure, our minisodes, we tend to do better movies that score higher and are more recent, but for these episodes, normally everything comes in at about 50% or below. So pretty incredible. Can I mention Roddy McDowell being in this movie? Oh, he is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Fright Night, Roddy McDowell. Poseidon Adventure, Roddy McDowell. Uh, Planet of the Apes, Roddy McDowell. Um, He's he's awesome in this. And in fact, brings the movie acting-wise to some other levels. I don't know if it could have been reached without him being in it. I, yeah, he's definitely in the movie for 100%. He's in the movie. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> Fuck you, Mike. The movie is currently streaming for free on Tubi, which is honestly fucking awesome. But yeah, if you collect films, well. yep, on freebie. But if you collect films like I do, and as Bobby does, then you can snag a, a collector's edition of the film for around $15 on Blu ray. But before we finish the overview, why don't I drop one little tidbit more? There is an official sequel called Class of 1999, also directed by Mark L. Lester and starring Malcolm McDowell, Stacey Keach, as well as Pam Greer. But not to be outdone, it is also on Tubi. And not to be outdone again, uh, there's also a straight-to-video sequel, which was not directed by Mark L. Lester, called Class of 1999, The Substitute. But the less we talk about that, the better. Is the dude from Step by Step in that? I think so. I tried to actively avoid anything regarding that particular movie. If, if, look, here's the thing. is This movie is wild for everything that it does. The class of 1999 introduces cyborgs, so it's so much further off rails. Worth seeing that one, definitely not worth watching the sequel to class of 1999. Sure. But I agree with that. With the overview out of the way, why don't we take some time to discuss some initial thoughts, or that's what I would normally say. However, I thought it would be a great to hear just specifically from you, Bobby, as the one who brought us the film today, to give us a little background about your history with the film, and also a little bit of history about growing up inside of a video store. Uh, well, my parents owned a small chain of video stores. I'm from West Virginia, and um, if it's not evident in my speech... The, um, hopefully it comes across more, uh, Matthew McConaughey as, as, and not Sling Blade. Uh, but, uh, it's, it is a, uh, you know, the video business was, was not always booming, but like, you know, it had its, its super ups and, uh, my, my dad bought into it. I think in like the late eighties, he worked at one in the early, like in its infancy, he managed one. In its infancy, like right when the the big turn from beta or VHS happened, and uh, they made that that call of what was going to move forward. But ironically, it was the porno industry that pushed VHS because they went with porn and or they went with VHS. So there was like. So you grew up on porn, is what I'm hearing. Uh, not on it, uh, with but the, around it. Um, not necessarily around it, certainly. It's hardcore. Uh, uh, well, it, uh, well, I mean, backbone of the video industry, but that's another <sighs> emphasize on bone. And it, uh, but like, you know, uh, growing up in the video store, I think we had three different ones at one time, but uh, it was really cool. Cause like, you know, a lot of parents try to keep you away from certain movies and they gave it a shot 
for a little while, and then it became like you know, it's it's too hard to keep them away. I think I watched The Godfather when I was ten, and and then like they're like, okay, well, you know, what the hell? Like I remember really pushing for me not to watch Die Hard as a kid. Like that was did a, probably because they said it wasn't a Christmas movie. Um, did right, what type of lie? Yeah, of course. What uh? What type of, of video store was it? Was it a chain? Was it a Blockbuster? Oh, a West Coast Video? Leisure, leisure Time Video. It was. It was family owned. It was. It was awesome. Like I did. Like Hell yeah. I managed it later on. I did all the ordering and picking of the films and everything like that. So that was awesome. But uh, shout out Leisure shows. Time. What's that? Shout out Leisure Time. Yeah, for sure. It. Uh, I'm actually featured in like a some of a. We have a little shout out in the uh, Lunch Meat VHS's. Um, uh, VHS book that's super cool. That's so yeah. cool. I love lunch meat. They're like just super cool guys over there. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, our our VHS spine stickers in it. The one that if you busted it, you knew that the the actual film was tampered with on the inside of the VHS. So you put the sticker on the side, so you knew that people weren't switching reels because people were doing that in the eighties, cutting the sides, taking the reel out, putting a blank VHS back in it. Because at the time, uh, VHS were like. 80 bucks a piece so you could buy two at 80 and then they'd give you up to eight at 30 so it, but then back then with no streaming and no anything else you could make your money back like, yeah. all right real question though movies for weeks were you guys hard asses about the whole freaking rewind and would charge people that came back with the movie done because that that was hell thank god we had dvds like a few years right after the blockbuster boom uh when i grew up but man the rewind can s my d well, it was a it was one of those things where I was very irritated with it when it was certain fucking people that did it. Like you would have you would have a ten me. for ten, a ten for ten. You could rent ten old VHS for ten bucks for ten days. So oh, that is a steal. Yeah, but then they'd bring all fucking ten back, not rewound, and we're mm. talking to the plastic. Like, what are they mm. doing? Yeah, to the plastic like that got a little old when you knew every time that guy's bringing 10 back. But when you're bringing one or two back or you've rented. You know, you got one guy bringing like one out of four back or unrewound. Mm -hmm. He's a cool dude. It's not irritating. But just like with anything, it wouldn't piss me off unless you're an asshole. Sure. We we Mm -hmm. certainly didn't charge anybody. It was just more like open it up, make sure the movies. And then they're like, damn. So so, Bobby, I'm curious, though. You brought us 1984. And class of 1984 in the video store mm-hmm. after a uh, long time ago, a guy named John Fallon, Arrow in the Head, uh, is, was a, a, uh, a website that I loved. Uh, John Fallon uh, was the head of that website. And he did these reviews. Uh, and, he, and I was reading all the four and five star reviews because it was just reviews based on coolness, not based on of enjoyability of the movie, not based on technical prowess or script writing. It was who enjoys this movie, what's in it. It was broke down from gore, violence, TNA. So I was going through all these things, and I found Class of 1984, and the original box art is what did it for me. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the drawing, as someone who draws, I was so taken by it. And, like, that's a foregone, like, that's a bygone era for that kind of thing. And uh, that's what drew me to it. And this guy's review, John Fallon's review to it. And then I watched it, I remember, at the video store, and uh, which is definitely one you had to pause or stop when people came in. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it was one of those, like, but uh, that's where I found it. But I remember thinking, like, I'd never heard of it. How great could this be? And that was an era in my life of I thought I was young enough to where I thought anything that's awesome, I had to have already heard of. 
you know what I mean? Like you don't realize that there's all these layers of other things you can find that are just as awesome as these other huge movies everybody knows of. And that was, that was really what stood out to me. You know, you read the back of the box and you see Michael J. Fox. And I was like, Jesus, it's Marty McFly. And uh, then you're like, what the hell is happening here? And, and then you pop it in and it's just, from the beginning, it's, it's just telling you, we're going to start right here. And we're, there's not going to be much lead in. There's, <laughs> we're going to just start here. Mark Lester just decided, you know what, fuck these people that want to sit and they need that 20 minutes of story. We're just going to lay it all on the line right here. I love That's it. That's what did it for me, man. Like, the, I was like, man, that, in the 80s, you could just do whatever you want. In Canada, apparently, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. That is, <laughs> that is accurate. And speaking of laying it all on the line, why don't we explain what we're talking about and get the show on the road? Class of 1984, everyone. Class of 1984. Their only goal is power. I run this school, man. Their only law is survival. If you want to survive around here, you have got to learn to look the other way. Their only allegiance is to themselves. He's one man trained to deal with students, but they've pushed him to the limit. They've gone too far. Now he's going to give the class of 1984 the lesson they deserve. Class of 1984, is this the future? Last year, there were 280,000 incidents by students against teachers and their classmates in American high schools. Unfortunately, this film is based on true events. Fortunately, very few schools are like Lincoln High. Yet. Title screen, Class of 1984. First off, this movie is not based on a true story. Just want to go ahead and get that shit out of the way. Fucking right bullshit. Now. Biggest, biggest crock of shit ever. What's his name? Uh, we'll just go ahead and do a piece of trivia now. Uh, John Mar- uh, Mark L. Lester said that he read this. Said that he read a uh, a news article basically about a guy bringing a gun to uh to a school and that basically was like oh that you know i i, I kind of want to write a movie now about all the acts of violence because he started reading all these acts of violence in schools and make a movie out of it yeah when once when Cayman starts going into it for the next 30 or so minutes or, or, or whatnot n- none of this shit happened i'm just gonna just it just didn't happen schools were not like this no school in the history of school would ever let kids like, go like this it's it's complete anarchy which is why it's a movie but this shit didn't happen in america and that's my rant. Okay. I totally agree. Uh, the, <laughs> I think that it's one of those things that it's just one of those things where I think people have taken, embellished the hell out of something. You know, like, I think what was so, so awesome about, like, just the, the beginning of the movie, I think it's real noticeable up front. And I, I think uh, as a huge Joe Bob Briggs mark, Mm. I uh, I listen. You can still get on Shutter and listen to his, even though the movie's not on there. They have a just Joe Bob section where they'll cut just his rants out and play them in like a fifty minute thing. And uh, and I noticed this, but he confirmed it because I I just assume his research is spot on. <laughs> is it? I don't know, but I assume. And uh, but like he said, the huge influence of this was the Clockwork Orange. It is, yeah, like, and it's and it's relevant from the mm. poster to everything. But like it, uh, like you said, like 
at this point, though, I think what was what was so cool about this is it was almost like a precautionary. There's pockets of this shit happening, and then it's like let's turn the volume up to a thousand on this. Oh yeah, and it uh, like with like you're saying like there's no way this dude read about some fucking school like this. I mean, there, there's just no way it's happening. But like the the metal detector thing, there are people if you read reviews of this movie, like people are like metal detectors in schools, no way. They do exist. You you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, like people, but now it's like these, like, and and still every school should have one. That's a different, that's a different topic, but yeah, that, that, that is a thing now that we don't have to get into, but yeah. Things that they didn't think would get real extreme. Now it's like you go to the local high school to do anything and you're zapped, gone through a thing a thousand times back in 1982. That just didn't seem like it could ever happen. Yeah, and I'll I'll drop one note right before you uh, get into the rest came in here. Uh, the opening song by Alice Cooper is the biggest dog shit song I've ever heard in my life. That guy literally got must have got paid a bag. He is not trying. That song sucks. Am I am I wrong? It's so bad. He's not trying at all. Mike, shut the fuck up, man. Leave this movie alone. That opening sequence. No, the, the song. The, the sh- song no. stinks. You stink. I'm. I you w- hey, you didn't ask me my initial thoughts, and guess what? I'm telling you right now, that song stinks. Initial thought. <laughs> well, can we say this? <laughs> can we say the following? That it's not Alice Cooper's best. It, okay, it is not. But the <laughs> oh, can we also say that it fits fine? within the parameters of what this film's going for. Yes. And in 2022 is enjoyable 80s cheese. Oh, yeah. It's just a nice layer over top of it. It's... Now, if you're saying, if I watched this in 1982 when it came out, and I'm an Alice Cooper guy, and I heard this song, I could see me being like, what the fuck, Alice? Yeah. Sure. But as somebody who's already enjoyed the nostalgia of it when he heard it the first time, Hard for me to say the song sucks, even though I will say it doesn't sound like uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to. It almost it. sounds more like D. Snydered. It, it sounds does. it sounds like Twisted Sister. It does not sound like Alice Cooper. But I will say though, what I love about it is, is a lot of movies of this time, especially this this era, always had like a theme song that was present. And so for me watching it, I'm just expecting like there's got to be a theme song. And we get it right off the bat, and I love that. Which brings us to the music teacher, Mr. Norris. Mike, He's arrived. No dream warriors. It's no dream warriors. Oh, never. No, n- nothing is ever dream warriors. So, Mr. Norris, he arrives on his first day on the job. He runs into one of the veteran teachers of the school. Now, he noticed that he is packing a gun in his uh, briefcase. And he asks the teacher about it, but the teacher scoffs it off and tells him he doesn't have a clue about what he signed up for. During this whole segment, we are getting a montage where we see metal detectors, we see hoodlums, and we see graffiti. Lots and lots of graffiti. And to that point, Kevin, uh, actually much of the graffiti, uh, uh, the graffiti art director, Jeffrey Holmes, if I get his name right, uh, they put on the walls of the school for the filming was extremely difficult to remove. And it caused some trouble when uh, the real-life students of the high school use... uh, used in the film because there was actually real students in this in the film here for this actual school that they used uh when they returned to the school the graffiti was still there so ultimately they got it removed but i mean 
I just cannot believe if you're a principal or uh, like, I don't know, the, the town board and uh, this school comes with like, yeah, yeah, no, we're just going to graffiti the school. Be like, no, 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 we'll get it off. Like, it just wasn't going to come off. Like, even today, it's like, you know better. Just, it's never going to come off. This it, school. And it's littered. It's right away. I'm like, no school in America. If I pulled up to drop off my kids out of school, I would have been like, is this. Is this the the road? Is this the Warriors? Are we in arena battle for the town right now? Like, what is going on? People are people are hooking up, throwing their stuff, doing drugs, writing fuck on everything, uh, smoking. Like, the teacher's got a damn gun. Like, this isn't a school. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. It's gotta He's, be. A, it's 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 Mike, definitely shut the fuck definitely up. Definitely a private uh, a private uh, religious school. It can't be a public. I, I mean, come I on. Think that we're I think we're <laughs> supposed to assume as well, Mike. That all of society is this shitty at this point. Oh, I'm not getting too into it. I know, I know, but this is ridiculous. Mike, I I need you to cool it here because the big point we're trying to make is the kids at this school, they fuck. All right. These kids are hardcore. These kids are cool as hell. All right. These These are the coolest kids you will ever meet in in your entire life. You are jealous, and that's why you've got anger, and I hear you. It's because you're jealous you weren't that cool. Now, Mr. Norris meets with the principal and finds out that during his free periods, he's been assigned as a hall monitor since the school is short on resources. He fights back, but is shooed away. Upon arriving in his classroom, he finds it's full of shitheads and street toughs. After some back and forth between him and the students, we're introduced to the shot, hot shot on campus, Stegman. Stegman tells the teacher to fuck off, and him and his cronies depart the classroom. Stegman? Cool as shit. This kid is so cool. Can can I make a Stegman sidebar that is yeah. insane to me now that I look back on it? Um, and may I say, Boston Mike, your striking resemblance to Anders from Workaholics, I'm here for. <laughs> Gotten that all the time. I'm I'm glad you, hey, you realized that. Hey, you, you could have looked like either of the other two. <laughs> so you're in better you're in better shape. He's got you there, Mike. It, uh, but you know what killed what the, the thing that I love, uh, so much about the Stegman thing is that this is, I would, my screen, uh, this shows my age, uh, I'll be 40 in March, and my screen name was Stegman class of 84, which is oh, awesome. No. That's but dope. I realize, even though I met my wife, <laughs> like we met and then we chatted or whatever the fuck you would call it now. But what's hysterical by saying class of 84 made me come across as if I'm 17 years older than what I am, mm, which I guess, yes. in hindsight and the fact the anti-Semite stuff in hindsight, like maybe not the best choice. Yeah, that, that's, that's a valid point. Hysterical. That's a valid point. But, you know, to to that point, too, like Stegman rules this campus oh, with an iron fist. There. Uh, he like no one fucks with this kid and also i just love he is a full-blown psychopath oh like he is they've skipped the edging your way there yeah no he he comes out the gate just throwing hands like don't fuck with me i'll take you down and it it escalates which we'll get to now it it gets bad quick he's ready to go right off the bat which just brings us to the next part which is outside of the classroom stegman and his crew they assault a few students, then chase down another hustler in the school. They drag him in the bathroom, beat the ever-living shit out of him, 
and then set up a confrontation with one of the local drug dealers. Now, after school, Norris finds his car vandalized. He drives home, where we're introduced to Norris's wife, who's pregnant with child. He tells her about his shitty day, but they laugh it off. Back with Stegman and his crew, they're having a standoff with a local gang. A fight ensues with chains, knives, baseball bats, two-by-fours. This is some Warriors-level break fight, like breakout fight right here. And then the cops eventually show up. They end up arresting a couple people, but Stegman and his crew disappear. Afterwards, we see that the hoodlums have stolen a faculty staff book and show up at Mr. Norris's home. The punks play a prank and drive off. Looking nuts in that fucking pantyhose. Oh, yeah, like, did they all? The scariest part of that movie, it, that is very Clockwork Orange-ish. When they show them in the, uh, in the car and they kind of go, woo and then they drive off, that's as... Alex and his droogs as it gets in the movie to me. Yeah. Uh, personally. Uh, I, de- I definitely agree. And so the, the whole prank they do on him is they just pull up. Mr. Norris notices there's a car outside his house. So he walks up to investigate. And then they use like a, su- like a super soaker and just squirt fake blood all in his face. And uh, yeah, like that's yeah, kind of how. They really amp things up by making the wife pregnant. I'll tell you, that's what took it. <laughs> Every incident to the next level, I think, is remembering this poor woman not only is a a lady being in jeopardy this entire movie and scared, but pregnant as well. Mm. Uh, I think that even at this point, Norris deserves some sort of fucking award for his patience, even up to yeah. this point. And and uh, also, I uh, we completely missed uh, Norris is a fucking music teacher. Sure. So, yeah. like, I mean, this isn't some, you know... Like, I don't know. It's He's not he's not uh, stand and deliver. How do I get through to these kids, try to get them through their SATs and actually help them with their life? He's a fucking music teacher, and it doesn't matter if they fucking pass the trombone or not because everything else in school will matter more. Okay, so. yeah, but, like, if he's not if <laughs> he's ma- not the music teacher, then we don't have the big climax, and I'm not going to spoil it right now. Oh, but, yeah, you got to have the music teacher. And no, I think- I'm, just, I'm just saying he's very, very passionate about teaching, but he is. As someone whose wife is a teacher, all teachers, regardless of position, are normally very passionate about what they do. Yes. Yeah, but the music teachers are always like, "Yeah, hey, this is this is my side gig. I got this band. We're trying really trying to make it. We go to, we go to these shows every now and then, I and then I just do some aside." Like that growing up, my music yeah. teachers were dicks. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, my music, the music teacher we had was like 110 years old. Sure. I don't know how he was still alive when he was teaching music. I, th- I think that if you want to read deep enough into it, and I think that, uh, and I do, uh, <laughs> but if you want to read deep enough into it, I think it's like this guy is just the epitome of good. Yeah. Like, uh, of He's the epitome, even though he's obviously, what, in his mid-30s, we're supposed to, I think, believe. Yeah, like, I mean, I'll check. He's he's acting straight out of gung ho school teacher. Mm. Like that first second he's in the school, he's already got a fucking problem. Like he sees the razor blade get passed beyond the uh, beyond the um, the metal detector, detector. Yeah, and like that guy's not in the school fucking, five seconds. Fucking hardcore. Yeah. yeah, he's not in the school five seconds, and he's already saying, "Hey, we need to do this." Hey, need to. I mean, this guy is so white meat baby face good guy. That he is already willing. First five minutes, I'm at this job, willing to fucking cause a wave. But he, I think too, the way that they play Mr. Norris, and I think it's very important as well, is that 
it's like passionate like being this passionate can also be a huge negative in your life as well oh absolutely it's a perfect it's played perfect that's that's what's so funny about this movie is 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 amplified as the violence is and and the 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 punk the the reverse punkness because most punks i've ever known or read about never pushed a drug in their life (laughs) you know that wasn't their thing but uh it, it, it is the epitome of of a guy that can't see the forest despite the trees you yeah. know what i mean like yep. really, really what i was gonna say really what this guy's whole mo is for the whole movie is if you fuck around enough you're gonna find out oh yeah 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 and he does find out now yeah, it does Speaking of finding out, uh, here comes Stegman again. After playing a prank on Mr. Norris, him and his cronies show up at their local hideout. This is a wild-ass club full of punks, rock music, and so, so many drugs. One of the druggies comes in looking for a hooking gig. For those uninitiated, um, that essentially means she is looking to prostitute herself out for drugs. And as you can imagine, the way this scene ends is with... um, full frontal nudity, and a dude shooting up heroin. This is Nancy Reagan's swan song to the dare era. Oh, it's, it's super relevant or, or super. I mean, it's, I mean, it can't be when you match up the timelines, it's something else. Uh, and I think that too, and I don't know if you're supposed to, how much you're supposed to really focus on this. But this poor, the, 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 the lead, and I had her name written down and I, I can't find it. Uh, she was actually, she's a Canadian actress that was in a ton of stuff and was never really the bad girl. The lead bad, yeah, the head bad punk girl. She is so sexually repressed and either also like pushing down her own feelings this whole movie. And I like my empathy lied with her. <laughs> tremendously i felt like she couldn't even speak or anything even though she's like almost the number two in scariness yeah if and, and, in the and i'll tell you times. and i'll tell you why she probably um her and others probably felt like that because actually the punk kids at the club were actual slam dancers called in for the film and shooting of the scene got quite out of hand as the crowd got naturally rowdy and some of the actors and actresses were actually hurt during filming and probably scared shitless they found out that they were not punks yeah oh no there's so there's a story about her specifically getting threatened by another person in the crowd like one of the extras who was like uh punks don't wear dresses you're not a real punk and like was like we'll find you she was like she's like we'll find you after the shooting this this whole scene like this is essentially where most of the actors in the film were like we don't want to do this movie anymore like we don't want to film anymore this shit's getting way too real for us and like, don't want to do this. Well, Steg went hard in the pit, though. Oh yeah, dude, he fucking throws down. <laughs> he went, he went hard in the pit. Whether he was nervous or not, that dude enjoyed himself in the pit. There's so many unrealistic things about this movie. This is the most realistic. Oh, like, I would assume. Like would this think. is the most hardcore shit. This is probably like I think the only other time I've seen a movie where I've been like, this shit hits is like watching uh, the Green Room when I'm like. I've gone to some sketchy ass fucking concert venues and I've seen some dudes who look just like that, who would fucking murder you in a parking lot. If you just looked at them the wrong way. Yeah. Green room. So next day at school, Stegman interrupts class and makes a scene by playing a beautiful classical tune on the piano. 
but is immediately kicked out of class by Mr. Norris because, as stated multiple times before, he is a, a shithead. Now, fun fact, actually, the song that he plays was written by the actor who plays Mr. Norris, uh, which I think was a pretty cool. And that, I, I love this scene so much because it just kind of opens up. And this is as my like I've said before, my wife is a teacher. This is something that they see a lot where it's like a lot of our students that are really bad are also absolutely brilliant yeah, and have so much potential. They're just they can't seem to break themselves from it. And we'll kind of exp explore a little bit more about like his world and like the world he lives in. But like that moment to me, like hit hard at home. Cause I'm like, I hear this shit daily. Now it's never to this extreme because everything is ratcheted up to a thousand. But like, this is, you know, this moment feels, and, feels real. And this scene is very pivotal to the viewer, especially like obviously myself watching what you think should happen in normal movies from here on it's like oh wow promise in the troubled youth who doesn't care i'm gonna go out of my way i'm going to fix him he's gonna become this great pianist because we just shot so uh i mean uh we're just shown that he's actually good and that's where the the movie will end i mean that's where the movie will lead to but this is a trash movie, so whatever the fuck you thought was going to happen in a regular movie, a la a stand and deliver, some shit like that, the complete opposite happens. It's not that <laughs> at all. It is. But it's no no happy ending. This guy. Uh, hey, spoiler alert. There's no Mozart for himself. He does not kill it. Okay, and he should have. He friggin' rules in this scene, and he must have played that for real too. So Stegman probably could play piano because yeah. that was not. Well, it was I a full body shot. I was told that was it. They were they that was the first they, they were doing all power shots of Stegman the whole movie where he was actually being looked up at to make himself mm -hmm. look larger and bigger, mm -hmm. badder. Yeah. And the opposite for, for that's uh, true. Cause I actually, I hate to be negative. I heard it was Timothy Van Patten who wrote it. Oh, okay. So I, I could have my, my, my names mixed up. It happens. Now during his hall patrol, Mr. Norris walks in on a drug deal between Stegman and one of his star pupils, uh, played by Michael J. Fox. Mr. Norris sends the two regular students on their way and marches Stegman and his crew to the principal's office. In the principal's office, Stegman gets a slap on the wrist and is sent on his way. At the same time, one of the boys from before, who had taken some drugs before Mr. Norris walked in, he is high on smack, climbs up a flagpole outside of the high school, drapes himself in the American flag, says the Pledge of Allegiance, then immediately plummets to his death. Do you think, who, who among us? Do you think... Uh... And so it goes. Uh, but anyway, like, do you, nothing, no, no symbolism there. <laughs> None whatsoever. This definitely wasn't Nancy fucking Reagan sitting over Mark L. Lester's shoulder being like, and he has to say the Pledge of Allegiance because this is the America we live in now. Like, you cratchy old bag, get out of here. You're ruining my trash cinema with all of your metaphors. Back, back in the bathroom... Uh, did you also notice that uh, earlier in the movie they used the word suburbanite as a like almost a slur? <laughs> I mean, we use. I mean, we're so we're from, I'm from we're from Atlanta. Well, Boston's from Boston. Boston Mike's from Boston. I'm from Atlanta. We suburbanite inside the the city uh, gets used quite a bit, and it is considered a slur. Oh, but here. it was funny because I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I where I'm from is like not 
like people think that have never been to West Virginia, but it's uh, but uh, it's more it's it's less rural where I'm from than a lot of places. But like <laughs> I laughed so hard I heard suburbanite <laughs> said like that. I was like, Damn. But it uh, is it is what in the bathroom. In the bathroom, yeah. it's I I think uh, uh, Michael J goes uh, I don't mess with that shit. Neither does Jimmy. And uh, Jimmy is standing literally six sure. inches away, fucking just absolutely tweaking out of his Just mind. fucking rubbing his nose. I'm like, dude, you got some oh, sugar boogers up there, boss? Oh, he's out of it. Uh, I also wonder would have known that Jimmy was high. I also like, will note, no I will note uh, from from what I've heard from, from friends and online and in movies and things like that, uh, Coke doesn't make you just climb up shit. That's the wrong drug. Uh, it's not making you climb up stuff. Um, so yeah, so, so the, and it's funny. I I feel like so many times, uh, when people like depict drugs, they just make you climb up shit and fall to your death. Um, it's not this one. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Joe Bob referred to it as angel dust. What is the difference? I think it's Pete. Yes. I think he's on. Oh, he was doing PCP. I think he's on PCP, which in PCP from the story. Way more hardcore. Okay. So that's what I was, that's what I was getting at. That's the drug. If you're on PCP, yes, you do climb shit. You don't know where you're at. You just go places. (laughs) Yeah. That is, that is what happens. In fact, actually uh, a little, a little for a peek behind the curtain for my life. My father back in the day, when he was in the eighties, he, uh, he was trying to buy weed from a guy. Uh, shout out my dad. Sorry that I'm telling you're leaking your laundry here. Um, he bought weed from a guy and he woke up next to the third rail of a, of a train. So he, he realized that he, he was sold PCP laced. We sold PCP. Oh. So he found the guy the next day on the same corner and beat the sh- living shit out of him. He's never seen him again. A tale as old as time. So yeah, so that shit does happen. He climbed over a fence and landed on a train yeah. next to a train. I fucking love that. Well, that's a, that's a crazy story. I- shout out Mick. <laughs> Shout out, Mick. Now, Mr. Norris, he confronts Michael J. Fox, but he won't give up any info on who might have sold the boy the drugs. Later on, Stegman chases him down and corners him in a back alley. Mr. Norris pulls up with the veteran teacher in tow and finds the group harassing Marty McFly. A fight breaks out, and everyone takes off running, and the uh, veteran teacher gets a nice little slash on the hand. Um, there's one thing that they keep saying. They're like, oh, you're not on duty anymore, Mr. Norris. You're not on duty anymore, Mr. Norris. And it's like, Mr. Norris, kick the shit out of this kid. He's right. You're not on duty. Beat the fuck out of him. I don't like, dude, at this point, my patience is wearing a little thin with Mr. Norris. I understand why he doesn't kick the crap out of this kid, but also like. He's just so pure. He is, he is uh, I, but it I is know guys that think they can save everybody to, to the point of where I'm like, like, I mean, like to where, I mean, strangers like, like this, that, that like, that's not his kid. You know it what I mean? Funny, it's not his kid. It is funny. Like see like that, um, the dichotomy of seeing your teacher outside of the school, oh, yeah. like how weird it is. Like I remember multiple times we would, uh, if we saw, our science teacher, Mr. Mr. Liddington, um, in a certain parking lot in my hometown, we knew he was smoking weed and we'd pull up next to him and we'd be like, Liddington! And he would be be all weird and all sketchy and drive out of there. And it's just so funny because like all of a sudden we're saying first names. There's no misters anymore. We're like, Bobby, what are you doing? So it is funny how, you know, that's my how I grew up. And these kids, they see their teacher outside of school and they're like, we're going to kill you. See, now I, 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 from previous, I love Roddy McDowell, period. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like you may have been the biggest fan. 
but or if it was just like I love to me, I love him and everything he's in. I think that he brings like a theatrical vibe to everything oh, yeah. he's in, and the importance level gets raised. Like, granted, sometimes his speech isn't like cinematic almost. Like it comes across a little more formal, if that's a, if that makes any sense. But like Roddy McDowell in this situation, I love, and it's like. Because I get the notion that, like, hey, listen, man, listen, Andy, I've tried this. Like, I've been where you're at. We've tried to help these kids. Trust me, you're better off to just let the one razor blade in because it's the least of your problems. It's better to let this one poor little chubby Michael J. Fox, who would later save his entire family with, uh, with, with, a, with his own guitar solo. That it later on, it just later, less than 10 years later, uh, wait, let this little boy have the shit beat out of him Yeah. to just save yourself the frustration because I've been there. I'm the veteran here, and I love that about him, that it takes so much for poor Roddy to finally be like, I just can't take this anymore. Like, t- tenure, fuck tenure. Well, speaking of more patience, later that night, Mr. Norris gets some visitors at his home. You can probably guess who. And uh, he witnesses them torch his car outside of his home. Now, the next morning, he tries to convince his wife to leave, but she will only do so if he comes along with her. Unfortunately, Mr. Norris is too dedicated to his students to abandon them, which, as Michael Jordan says, fuck them kids. Oh, also, gone. the police don't give a shit at all, but like, you know, here's the thing. What else is new? So... Not getting help there. Now, back at school, the veteran teacher's class has been destroyed, and all of his pet rabbits have been gutted, skinned, and strewn across the classroom. Mr. Norris heads straight to Stegman. Norris backs off, but Stegman starts slamming his face all over the bathroom, busting his face wide open, then rubs his blood all over Mr. Norris's hands. The police bust in, only to side with Stegman. This and is an, the point. Go ahead. I was going to say in a, in a another piece of trivia here, putting on my uh, my Patrick hat here. Uh, according to Lester in a DVD doc, uh, commentary, the animal corpses in the science lab were real animal corpses, and it is important to note that they were never actually killed before the sake of the film, sure, but were already dead when they were brought into this set. That's nice to hear. <laughs> Unprovable, but very nice to hear. Perfect for you know, so the scene in the bathrooms, so kind of how this all breaks down and kind of so there's a scene early in the film. It's just a little bit of extra fat didn't need to include it in the script. I don't think. However, basically, this is kind of what's keeping the veteran teacher. Um, it's keeping him sane is the fact that he's the biology teacher and he has a bunch of pet rabbits yeah. that he has in his class. And that's basically his glue that keeps him all together. And this will make sense later. So they have gutted and skinned all of these to get back at him. Then in the oh, bathroom, George, the rabbits, George, the the rabbits. So we they, we then get and then we get to see Stegman's like the level of insane that Stegman in yeah. is is like in this moment where he's like, I will literally physically hurt myself just yeah. to pin it on you as just another way to get back at you. This kid is a full-blown psychopath and if this was 2022 this kid is a school shooter i will say that i have no qualms with saying that this kid would be locked up in a fucking mental institute or he would have like 30 people's 
lives on his, you know, his Although, chalkboard. And, and, and with and with your wife being a teacher, you know that it would have it would have been a childhood full of people trying to help him and trying oh, yeah. to save him. Get a mil- he'd have a million chances before he got to this, but hopefully they'd nip it in the bud. But this well, this is the moment that I love so much because you realize, like you've you've known it the whole movie, but this dude's smart. Oh yeah, he's like, brilliant. This guy's not just smart; like he's manipulative. He's smart. He knows the system. He knows the way the system favors him. And I think that what makes a movie like this so awesome is so many people write it off as just trashy and exploitative and things like that. But like, like it's got a lot of deep connotation. Like, I mean, like there's a lot. Like, I mean, this dude knows the system. This yeah. dude knows how much more they're going to favor a kid when it comes down to it because they have to. Just yeah. like today. Uh, they've got to almost go with the kid regardless. And uh, and I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it's got to go. And he knows that. He wipes that blood on his hand. Like, I mean, like, it's a great scene. And that's when, like, and, and to me, and I know it's got to be a movie, and, and it's got to keep going, and it's got to crescendo. But this would have been the point where, and I don't, I'm not afraid to shame, ashamed to say it, especially living in the area that I live in, I feel like I can say it and not be in a problem. But this is where I would have beat the shit out of that kid. Like, there yeah. would have been no doubt about it. Uh, what he did to his face would have been the least of his problems. Yeah. Like, this would have been it. It would have been like, ah, okay, I've lost my job, and I'm going to have to work manual labor well, the rest of my life. Well, and I, I, I feel like we're just glossing over the fact, this is also 1982. Like, he could have just hit the kid. Like, my, my family... <laughs> My sure. parents went to school in the 80s. They got hit as kids. Like, you could have just kicked this kid's ass. People would have been like, yeah, he was being a shithead. Like, bring well, in a nun. Get the ruler out. Beat this kid's ass. Let me tell you why it wouldn't work. And it's because of this next scene. So, Norris shows up at Stegman's apartment complex that him and his mother live in. You find out that Stegman's father is dead. And you find out that Stegman's mother is essentially a helicopter parent. Now, Stegman's sure. hanging out on the couch. She asks him, when you go get the door, because there's a knock on the door, he's like, but, but mama, I'm watching a movie. And she's like, okay, honey. So Norris shows up, he's like, hey, I need to talk to you. Like, we need to get your son help. He pleads his case with her. And she's essentially does, which a lot of parents do, which is, my kid is an angel. My kid is perfect. My kid is a victim. He does nothing wrong. And she tells him essentially to either fuck off or she will call the police as Stegman's behind him being like, I told you so to a, to the point that when Norris goes to leave the complex as he's walking out of the door, he gets on the intercom Stegman does and goes, don't fucking come around here. You have shit coming for you. You can't fuck with me. I will tear your life down. So what does Norris do? He does the smart move which is another thing that that Stegman's whole thing is you can't prove shit unless there's a camera or a police officer standing there. So what does Norris do? He goes into the parking garage. He carjacks Stegman's beautiful car, his convertible, and then he totals that son of a bitch in the parking garage like a goddamn boss. Yeah, like a stallion. No, and uh, no... um airbags back then so he's just totally he's fine. Just, just, yeah, just he's destroying it like i mean american um, american machines man he, he's got he's his, got his, so many concussions his seat, his seat is fully fine and everything else front and back are just messed up man it's so funny and i just instantly was like nope that's that's exactly how that car would happen we had, now, uh, did you uh i love 
I don't know if you if you if this is the way you took it as well, but this is the way I took that scene with the mother. Like I coach as well. I coach my daughter's softball team, and uh, I know how parents are. Like not being a teacher, I get some of that as a coach. Uh, maybe not at, at the at the level that a teacher would get it, but I do get some of that. And like I got from Stegman, sadly in that scene, that like that dude loves his mom too. Like, like he goes, she goes, how do I, she goes, you look great, mom. Like, and it looked, it seemed genuine as hell. Like, and like in that moment, you're like, oh shit, he is just a little kid again. And the, but he's just so terrible. He is that, terrible. That he's so awful that it's very hard to even remember that ever. He's like, uh, uh, he's like Dennis the Menace, but on PCP. And, and, uh, and, and, and like any good drug dealer, he's obviously not sampling it. Oh, no, not at all. He's no, this dude's it. just crazy. He's doing it, but not him. No. Did you hear him say he was making like four, he, he made 4K last week or something like that? Yeah. 82? God yeah. damn it. Yeah. Bringing in the dough. Now, the next morning, Stegman barges into Mr. Norris's classroom and loses his shit. Not much later, Stegman sees Michael J. Fox chatting it up with Norris and a cop and plans to set him straight. This involves a food fight diversion and playing paying a kid in drugs to stab Michael J. Fox, who ends up in the ICU. Now, after a nice little picnic between uh, the veteran teacher, Mr. Norris, and both of their wives, the veteran teacher finally cracks. He loses his mind and attempts to teach his classroom while holding them hostage. Norris is, is beckoned in to try to disarm him and is able to do so before he pulls the trigger and puts a bullet through Stegman's head. Tough luck, Teach. Should have let him do it, man. Honestly, it, here's the thing. This is, and I love this scene. Well, I love this scene for a lot of reasons, but I love this scene in particular be, is because this movie could end right here if he and, lets him do it. And and, in the face and this is credits. And this is exactly the same type of scene when he was playing the piano and he sees that this troubled youth has talent now he's in this scene he saves the fucking kid they should now become like the father that he doesn't have or what have you and how movies happen that's not what fucking happens and it goes off the rails again now here's the thing though no one stops the veteran teacher after he decides, like, it's all right, guys. Oh, my God. He, wa- I know he walks fine. home. He goes, I'm going home. And they're all like, all right, let him go home. All right, he fuck just, it. He just attempted murder. And, by the way, if the class upstairs isn't evacuated, he also did shoot somebody because it oh, went shit. through the ceiling. <laughs> that is also true. Someone's taint, Someone's taint has been And this shot. school is, like, four stories, which we'll get to that later. Well, this reinforces your thought that he easily could have just beat the shit out of him in the bathroom. Because yes. if you're not if you're not uh, taking anybody out of school for holding somebody up at gunpoint, then I I think you probably could get a left or a right hook in and knock a couple teeth out to prove a point. But true. Uh, and so what ends up happening? Like we said, they just let the the veteran teacher out. They're just like, it's all right, man. Go home, sleep it off. He doesn't go home, nor does he sleep it off. He shows up to Stegman's hideout later that night and tries to hit him with his car. The unfortunate reality is, is that he doesn't accomplish that or accomplish anything of note outside of him flipping his car and blowing up inside of it, killing himself, which once again, tough luck teach. 
that's a dope ass scene. Oh, it's like, so it's cool. Violent as hell, and I mean, it looks. Uh, I read. I saw. Um, also, uh, was uh, read uh, that that's Roddy McDowell driving the car, which is pretty awesome, and Mark Lester in the back filming it. Oh, that's cool. Shitless, and uh, but that was a. Uh, I love that because um, it's a like it. It is a very graphic. Uh, like it seems like not safe at all like nothing about it seems like that street was ready for the filming of that or anything and then and then on top of it you get the weird more clockwork orange stuff of them kind of dancing and warming their hands by the fire of the truck or of the car that he's wrecked in the flames are up and that one like the one that's real the the tweaked out thug you know the token tweaked out yeah the one that sampled the product the He's like warming his hands by the fire, and they're all kind of dancing around. And Stegman, just being the badass that he is, he's just kind of standing back. Like, and at that point, you kind of realize, like, he realizes he's bright enough to realize he's escaped death. Yeah. But oh, and that just emboldens him. Yeah. (laughs) And it (laughs) emboldens him even more. Yeah, it makes him think that he's even more invincible than he is. Now, after a nice walk by the lake, Norris's wife tells him she's heading to her mother's until the baby is born, and Norris is like, "Dope." I'm no coward. I'm staying here to teach these little fucking monsters. Now the cops end up tipping off Stegman that Michael J. Fox is in, indeed ratted in the mouth and plan a way to get back at Norris and Teen Wolf while Norris heads off for the school concert. Now it's at this point of the episode that I have to drop out probably for the first time ever a trigger warning for, um, for what's about to come next. So here we go. This is, this is a huge trigger warning. The next scene is terrible, and it deals with some pretty graphic stuff. So if you want to skip ahead a couple minutes, please do so. We'll not be offended in the slightest. If not, buckle up, because here we go. Stegman and his crew, they show up to Mr. Norris's house. They sexually assault Mrs., Mr. Norris's wife. They then to- take a photo of the assault while it happens. They drug her and they kidnap her. Can we say? <laughs> I, I don't they know rape what her. to say. They, they do. They rape her. They take. They take turns raping her. Yeah, and pregnant. it's this is this is why this movie is bothering me so much to this point because Stegman should have validation to be somewhat on Norris's side he just saved him from getting a bullet in the head he should be more mad at the dude who just um who just tried to kill him and now is dead and he should also just be in handcuffs the, he was right there and michael j fox rat in the mouth like none of this should happen and then they go and rape him oh my god and the big fat sweaty guy it gets in on it and it's just disgusting it's terrible it's gross it really it really takes a turn for this movie it gets dark Quick. This is where yeah. it, it goes. Like I, I wrote down that this is really where the 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 rape takes a, a fairly rough exploitation movie. Yeah, it does. It turns it turns the, like I mean, it really hits the volume button about another eight times because uh, it you're dealing with not only a gang assault on a woman, but you're dealing with gang assault from teenagers. And on a pregnant lady, yeah. uh, on top of it, uh, and 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 to lighten the mood, let me. This would be a good time to say this. I've always been bothered by the fat, 
80s sweaty thug that I've never been scared of. I knew dudes like that that I was never fucking scared of. They've never been a threat to me. I've never understood why it like you can outrun them in a second. Like they're never a threat. Uh, throw some cake towards them. Like that that is the only thing that you need. Like I've always been bothered by that guy in the thug hierarchy. If I can lighten this for a second. Like that guy was never the big strong guy. Like look how tough this big fat guy is. I've never ever thought that and and related to that in every movie I've ever seen. From Ernest Goes to Camp to this, it doesn't matter what it is. The big, giant, heavy set dude is not scaring me. Well, fuck that chick who's part mm-hmm. of the crew who takes the picture and is cool with everything. Fuck that girl. Fuck that girl. She got you know, so it's so in a lot of these movies, like this scene is not fun to watch. And apparently they edited the scene up. So it was less, it, yeah, that it was less terrible, even though it still is. And, it's at this point that I want to go ahead and, and close off. Like you've made it through the gold star moment of this episode. Thank you. If you stuck around, if you didn't, I totally understand. I don't want to listen to this either, but we get some relative good news. And the good news is, is that Norris is finally going to get his payback. And they're in full punk attire at this point. Too. Yes. They, and they're, they're in, it is bad. It is battle attire. And yeah. Here it goes. The group shows up to the concert venue and delivers a photo of the assault to Mr. Norris, who runs out of the concert venue after them. After a lengthy chase, Norris is jumped by the gang and beaten up. The chase continues once more, and Norris finds Stegman with his wife, where he's promptly beaten up once more. As if Stegman is playing cat and mouse, Norris is allowed to live and gives chase again. At the same time, the nerdy girl in the band decides to lead the orchestra during the concert. This is very important. Back to the chase, Norris gets the upper hand and incapacitates one of the Stooges by removing his fucking arm with a table saw. Then Mm -hmm. turning and spinning him around, slamming him back down on the same saw, turning his spine into mincemeat. Which I have to say, fuck yes. It sucks that it took the scene before this to get here, but finally Mr. Norris is taking his goddamn revenge. Satisfying. Promptly after mangling a miner, Norris barbecues another with a blowtorch and gasoline, which is immediately followed with him causing a car accident that ends the life of the other two gang members, setting the stage for a final showdown with Stegman all while the band plays on. And here's a, another piece of trivia for us here, or the fun facts, as I'll say. Patrick will say the trivia. Uh, this is the only set that's built for the film, uh, which is the auto shop. Um, oh. The rest of the film was all shot on location. So this whole uh, scene that takes place where Norris, uh, I guess the dude's name is Barnyard, which is freaking yeah. hilarious that that what is a... his name. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's, the only, that's the only set that they built. Yep, his name is Barnyard. That's his character's name, which he's the big fat, fucking gross ass 80s thug who i can only imagine nancy reagan was like guys my worst nightmare when i wake up next to old ronnie over here old woman slapper ronnie the what i think about in my dreams is a big fat sweaty 80s man who is he's 42 years old but he's playing an 18 year old Mm -hmm. he's gross as shit this is what needs to be included in the movie and done. And Mark Bell Lester's like, yeah, I mean, sure. Fuck it. 
Fuck it. If it's going to win you a re-election, fuck it. We'll include it in the movie. Did you... I love the 80s, like, bully hierarchy. Like, like it's almost played like a video game in these 80s movies where, where it's like the... like It's the, the, the ascending staircase of, of toughness. Yeah. And I think that it's cool, though, that even, like, they basically made the girl higher up than some of the others, which I thought was cool because really she kind of turns the knife a lot more emotionally, I think, than all yeah. the rest of the other thugs in the movie. And and let's face it, the guy that gets thrown on the table saw, like that guy thought he was hot shit. That guy thought he was hot shit. He's <laughs> wearing a uh, damn tube top. He's wearing a damn tube yeah, top. He looks like a loser. He would get beat up so quick and not even today's school because they don't beat up people apparently because yeah, band geeks beat up Michael Myers. Um, they don't beat up people. But True. even in the 90s, he would get thrown into a toilet so quick for looking the way he did. Oh, for like, sure. oh. And then the other guy, the other guy who gets who we'll get to in a second here. I mean, his butt cheeks are cut out and his damn jeans. Like, it's that's not tough. I don't know what the steampunk look of that okay. is. They're in their battle attire, right? Battle like, attire. Let me get these cheeks. They're ready. Here. Yeah, let me slap oh. these cheeks together as I'm cheeks. running in the hallway. The cheeks. Yeah. The it, cheeks. Like, I, I know when I'm full on in fight mode, uh, I definitely want air to my butt cheeks. That is true. Well, you, got, well, you are air, you're more aerodynamic, I get. I, I, I understand where he's coming from. Well, I hope everyone is ready because here we go. Norris makes it up to the roof of the concert hall where he finds Stegman and his wife. Norris beats the ever-living shit out of him. And Stegman ends up falling through the roof, only being saved by the ropes beneath him. Norris tries to save him, but Stegman stabs at him, which leads to one quick punch to the face and the boy falling through the plate glass window in the ceiling. Tangled up in the rope, which hangs in front of him, he falls down and strangles himself right in front of the audience as the band hits the final note of their song. Norris embraces his wife as the following words emblaze upon the screen. Andy Norris was not prosecuted because the police could not find anyone who saw it actually happen. Roll credits! The One of the best deaths in an 80s movie to me. Because it is insane to think of the innocent people that see this happen, that that have decent kids at the school. I think it's a, a good note to make, and I think that I wrote the quote down. Uh, like Stegman actually says to Norris one time, "You still believe in all that bullshit that holds us together," and it is just a reminder that that dude is so pure or white. And then you have the prince. I think it's the principal. The principal is so distasteful, like, you know, just yeah. like he's about to run for election. Like mm -hmm. He's just trying to keep everybody happy. But he says something like, Norris says, got a lot of good kids at this school. And he says, yeah, but the bad ones take so much of our attention. And that is so true. So like it is. You get that, so no. lost in the shuffle sometimes. Yeah. And that's, and that's what happens a lot. Like, you know, and it's happened. It happens every year for, for my wife who always says this, where it is a situation where there's a frustration with the teachers because they're like, I spend so much energy of my day trying to corral the kids who aren't behaving that the kids who are behaving miss out on yes. all of the, the positive things that you would get from a classroom. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's just sad, not fair. But, but I mean like the dichotomy behind it is, is insane because like 
you, how can, I mean, what, what's there to fix? It's just a problem that's always been there that you just have to kind of forge through. But, but in the, but also, in this movie during that hanging, uh, I think that it, uh, apparently there's supposed to be an alternate. There was another ending that was filmed and tested and it mm-hmm. tested poorly where it was basically suicide. Yeah. And to me, Oh no, that's not justified. And, uh, to me, I say let the suicide happen. So the the, oh. the way that the scene apparently plays out that is that people wanted to see him punch him right in the face. I get that. I know you want that satisfaction, especially in the '80s when you got Chuck Norris beating the dog shit out of people, and you got Charles Bronson avenging the fuck out of people. But like, you think the kid wins at the end? So the way that the scene originally apparently was supposed to play out is that Norris goes to give him his hand, and the kid cuts the rope. And then plummets to his death so that Norris can't save him or can't even attempt to save him. So I do like the the thing where where Stegman still is still committing suicide, so to speak, by stabbing at him. I do like that. And I do like the moment where Norris punches him square in the face and is like, you know what? Enough is enough. This is it. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. earned. It's 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 earned that he's able to well, get to get the kill. That's it's earned, but as somebody who likes uh to continue to turn the knife, I like the thought of "fuck you, teacher, teacher." I win again because not only did you not be like now you have to live with knowing you could not save me. Yeah, that's... and I know, but at this point with the rape and everything that happened previously, you there's no part of any audience that would want to see him win anything at yeah. this point. Like it's become including me. Yes, it well in me. Like I, he needed to punch him in the face. That's the ending we needed. But as far as uh, turning the knife in the audience, I appreciate the other ending. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he's got no redeeming. Even that little bit, of, I'm just a kid. Like, you, like teensy. Like, oh, he is a 17 year old kid. But then you're like, but I remember what I just saw 10 minutes ago. I like, would have, I would have liked, I would have liked when he falls. Uh, if the rope was longer when he falls off the roof, that he lands on the piano, so he's able to do his final song in the actual band, and he's just like, you know, it's like that, and it cuts. I do, I do think that the ending is very interesting, though, that because the he literally falls to the ceiling as the band plays the final chord, and it's the the crescendo of the band, and it's him falling through, and there's a moment there where there's the metaphor of. Stegman could have been in that band. Instead, yep. he dies in front of it. Still, sadly, kind of a part of the performance. Yeah, and it's. But I think that the, that there's like a nice moment there where you can kind of like you have the two worlds where you have this band that like was so shoddily put together that is succeeding. There's all these people coming to see them, and the principal even says like, there, "No one's been here since we the, since a kid set the gymnasium on fire ten years ago." So it's this moment where like they finally have people here to be able to witness this band and you have the one kid who refused to play by the rules, the kid that refused to do anything worthwhile with his life is the one who hangs in front of the success. So you have that moment. And 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 you tried to get him there. Like like that's yeah. the sad thing. Like they tried so hard to get him there. Yeah. Like you know, or at least Norris did. He tried so hard to get him there and, and there's that part of you that's like, damn, that guy could have just been there. And not and, and the fact that it's semi quiet after he yeah oh there, it's dead quiet a lot of people would want to be want some more noise but I love that 
Like yeah. the shock is what would be there. Like to me, the the thought of seeing something like that happen, like that's such an awesome ending to me that there's no way could have happened today. Like it's insane. And and I think that the, the what makes you think that you're glad this kid is dead as a doornail is the fact that that dude hanging there dead, half one eyed open, is still staring at motherfucking Andy Norris. Like I hate you so much. Yeah. He is still staring. <laughs> up at him and like that's that is so crazy on a level that can't be reached and and it's a shame like i would have liked to have seen timothy van patten do more after this i wish he had more of a filmography like later into his life like he's done a few things here and there but like we said like he's more of a director but that dude played crazy great oh incredible did a lot of the acting and so did um and we thank it for it uh but can we note his posture? Damn it, that guy's straight as an arrow when he walks. Oh yeah, I wish I had that boy's posture. <laughs> Same here. My yeah, I'm getting old. My back hurts. He walks in there slamming shit like all the time. But man, that ending. Like Mike, did you? Are you satisfied with that ending? You're pretty hate filled. But other than that, are you pretty? Uh, are you pretty satisfied with the way that it ended? You needed that punch to the face. Listen. I, I, I don't. I don't like that. That I'm getting construed as just the the hateful guy. I just hate these characters. We're supposed to hate them, so that's how I feel. The movie made me feel oh, a certain sure. way, and that's what I feel for it. Oh, am I satisfied in the end? Place, am I satisfied in the ending? Um, yeah, because they all died. Um, sure. Yeah, am I, I'm. I'm not satisfied that the principal has his priorities so fixed up. This damn concert. That's the, like he just is like, what's going on with this concert? Where's our person? Blah blah. These people start chanting like we want music. Basically, no parent ever in an audience would be like, we got to get this show on the road. We got to mm. start cheering on these people. These principal. This Disagree. principal is so fixed. It up. Well, I don't know. You know, public school. Public school is different where I was. Trust me, I've had to sit through some shit before, and I'm just like, get this going. I have no more time or patience to sit no, here. No, but they wanted it. Like I would have just been like, sweet, so no concert. We're out of here. They were like, <laughs> they were like, we want I, the music. And now I think that that's a great place to go into final thoughts, where we ask the question: Save it or can it? Would you save this film or would you can this film? Now, Bobby. I, I know what you're going to say, but for the sake of the format oh, of the show, you brought us the film, save it or can it? How, I don't see an option here. I don't see enough. It's For being as rough as it is, it's still fun. It's yeah. so many points of it, which is hard to say because that last 25 minutes is so rough. And it's the violence in the it's brutal from 25 minutes deep on but like it is a fun watch it's like i think like an hour and 40 minutes but it feels like it's like breakneck pace like yeah you blink and it's over uh, i don't like even filmmaking wise i can't see like even for ease of viewing how it is i think I agree. roger ebert liked it yeah oh no yeah he was he said it was the best film he watched at Cannes in 1982 so, but like, you know, there's definitely, like, I agree with Mike on a lot of things and I like, and even though we've just met, I, I do enjoy giving him a little bit of shit, but like it, uh, it like, you know, it's, you, they, they make you, and, and by all means, the people you hate and the things you hate about it, you're supposed to like, and there's no fault sure. in that just because I like bad guys doesn't mean that that guy wasn't a dick. Like, I mean, I just think that, uh, I think sadly this movie, not nearly enough people know about it because there's yeah. movies like it in a way. In little portions, but nothing quite like it. Mm. That people say, "Oh, look at this movie!" Listen, like it's not as good as '84. 
Like it's not even close. I agree. So save it for me. Like I don't All right. see an option. All right. So Bobby saves it. We're gonna move to you, Boston Mike. Boston Mike, who coined the phrase "save it or can I? Sure did. Um, well, here's here's the thing with this movie. Um, no school ever is like this at all. Um, you would never drop your kid off or go to a school with graffiti everywhere and people walking with guns and a teacher is like, where's your gun? That wouldn't happen. Um, I also do want to note that this movie came out in 1982 and it's class of 84. So these kids are actually 16. So it makes them, so it makes everything else even like what is going on with 16 year olds in this city that I'm going to assume might be a colder city, maybe up North that I won't name. You guys figure it out. Cause it looks a little rundown. Um, but it is also the most movie movie that we have done here. Yeah. It is an actual movie from start to finish. And what I mean by that is there's character progression. Um, there's a plot, there's arcs, um, there's vindication, there's, there's twists. Um, so for that reason, I'm definitely going to save it because it is, it's, it's a good movie. I just really fucking got annoyed with the kids because it's just not, it's, it's, it's banana they did their, land in the school. They, it's banana they, land in the school. Hey, they did their job if you're annoyed by the kids because that's kind of the point, right? Which oh, brings, yeah, exactly. brings it to me some, we got two saves, which good news is we're going to round this whole thing out with another save. Uh, Mike, I think you nailed it on the head. This is a movie movie. It is. And, I, and you know, here's the thing. when A lot of times people get this misconception when you think about trash cinema, that mm -hmm. trash cinema can't be good movies. You just, a lot of people want to be like, oh, you guys are just talking about bad movies. And that's sometimes the case. More often than not, it's probably the case that it is a bad movie. But trash cinema exploitation films, this is a drug exploitation film. This is a crime exploitation film. This is a, one of those movies that like, it fits into the drug exploitation category for me because in this, in this time frame, what we had a lot was movies where we're really trying to push this narrative that drugs are really really bad and anyone who does drugs are really really bad people so we have to crank it up to 11 because in reality someone smoking a joint is not going to do this shit let's just be honest now sure some people might but like that's not the case so we had things like this and there was a lot of emphasis on it but this movie has incredible acting it actually has a good story even though it is cranked to a thousand 99 percent of the time but it still is prescient and the fact that like the interactions that especially Norris and the veteran teacher have throughout the movie are interactions that I've seen be between teachers today. The way that the, the school handles the fact that it's like we can't punish these kids because they're minors and we can't do X, Y, Z because of this. This stuff still happens to a degree. The, the emotional interactions happen. Sure, schools aren't like this, but this stuff does happen and these interactions happen like that. And I think that is outside of the one scene with Norris's wife, with the assault, that scene is rough. And, and I think in certain ways, like it helps to amplify the, just the absolute terror at the end of the movie. Do I think it was necessary for them to have the scene in the film in the way that it was shot? Probably not, but I do understand its inclusion. And I do understand if that would turn people off because that's not something we really want to watch probably ever. And there's a lot of movies like, you know, Last House on the Left or I Spit on Your Grave that do it way worse. 
So there are way worse versions of stuff like this. But I do think at the end of the day, this is very much a save. I do recommend people check this movie out. It's on Tubi. It's free. Do it. If I could give a synopsis of what type of movie this is, this is like a reverse coming of age movie. Because he this this should this movie sets up like a stand and deliver, like a coming of age movie of a person who has just thought of their life in one way to be cool and acting a certain way because of the product, their environment, the people that they're with and somebody who's outside of their life comes in and breaks them out of their shell. That's what this movie is supposed to be. And it sets up as that. And the exact opposite happens where they go down a path that they're never going to come back from and keep doing more and more and more and setting the stakes even farther for themselves until there's not a path of return where they eventually die. Right. I, I, if I can say something, one more thing. Sure. There. Like it, uh, I think too, I think that very much at its core is just one, don't fuck with a guy's wife. Yeah. <laughs> Second, uh, or teachers. Right. And, and, and absolutely. And I think that it goes to show you that, that like it's, it's the, it, it's, it's as old as time. Like it, another one of the influences of this movie is concrete jungle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it's, it's, it's something that we're never going to have a handle on as a society. I don't think not to get too deep, but like you, how far do you go to try to save something before you realize that it's a detriment to not just that person, you and everybody around you, uh, that that uh, how much even as a good human like Norris is, even though so good to where you can't even relate to him at times, but like like how far can you go before you're like I can't handle this anymore? Like yeah, it's a perfect example of uh, there is a breaking point with every human being, as good as they are, they will break. Uh, this man deserved an award for not breaking until the time he did. Uh, but like. It's so, it's so like, uh, that's another good thing about this movie is like, there are things that are, like you said, like you probably heard teachers talking. I've got friends that are teachers, friends that are principals and things like that, that like, it's still so prevalent in schools. Not, not, not (laughs) all of it, but like, you can only do so much. This kid's 14. You can only do so much. This kid's 15 or, or like how much of a pass do you give a kid because of his home life or how Mm -hmm. much of a this do you give a kid or, or extra patience do you give a kid because he needs the extra attention to the point where you're pulling from other kids and it and it's something that is we're always going to deal with as a society and, and even as the best of the best and, and i think teachers are the best there's no way i could do it uh i love pay kids. them pay them more the, yeah, if we oh, can say yeah, one thing about this movie teachers deserve to be paid more just like mr norris should have yeah oh yes. absolutely and and teachers just like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and just like any profession, people can hide behind it all they want. Well, there's some bad teachers. There's some bad garbage men. So, like, don't give me that shit. Because, like, the teachers that care do the job of 50 shitty teachers. So, yeah. I, don't, I don't care about that. The amount of work they fit in in a school year is insane. And the good ones. Uh, just like with anything. But you can't, like, you can't judge them all by a couple bad ones. And that's why teachers are just the cream of the crop to me. But y- you can't. This movie, I think, just stands as just like a cautionary tale, like just like every other movie, especially in the 80s. I, I hate the fact that it paints every possible drug user as just like the scum of the earth when every human being in this world knows a drug user that's a, 
great dude that loves everybody and just has maybe an issue or maybe doesn't, you know, and I hate that about the movie, but, uh, yeah, yeah, this, this, like you said, a reverse coming of age tale is, is, is the epitome of it. And it could have easily turned into a Stegman is now the son figure of like a, like a PBS movie. Like it could have easily turned into like Norris is the daddy figure to Stegman. Yeah. Uh, it could have like right there. It could have been the change point. It could have cut to him showing him how to play basketball. You, you know yeah. what I mean? It could have easily. I agree. Well, on that note, I think we've come home with a couple lessons and the lessons are pay teachers more respect teachers more. And if you've enjoyed the show, please rate review and share the hell out of it. Your friends, loved ones are worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here. We aren't beggars. Also fuck Keith. If you're interested in video games, check out our sister podcast, the spot games podcast on all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be heathen. Go watch us there. Or you can check us out on Twitch every Tuesday at 8 PM Eastern. So come on by now, Bobby, you have a store. You are a businessman. So why don't you go ahead and tell the audience about what you do, your store, and share where they can find you on socials as well. Uh, I own, uh, I do signs and apparel. We do screen printing, embroidery. Uh, I do major signs, lighted signs, small signs, banners, anything little, anything big. Uh, but you can find me on uh, Facebook at the Showstopper Graphics and, uh, and Instagram at just Showstopper Graphics. But uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Biz- businessman is a I hope you use that term as loosely as possible. We are going <laughs> 10 years this year, so. Well, hey, we love it. And thank you so much for coming along the ride with us and bringing this movie to us. In the meantime, yeah, you can follow me at Kid Cayman. Uh, Mike, where can they follow you? McDagger, two R's. Beautiful. And you can follow our sister podcast at Spot Games Pod on Twitter, Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram, or you can find Save Trash Cinema at Save Trash Cinema on all social media. Remember... Fight big box office. Save trash cinema.